0: so good. Let's make this next song a prayer, prayer of our heart. Feel free to close your eyes and just have a moment of, of meditation on the Lord as we sing I Give You My Heart. Lord, I give you
1: my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you every step that I take every moment I'm awake Lord have your way in me this is my desire to all
0: Church, let's sing. This is our desire. This is our desire
1: to. take every moment we're away lord have your way in us lord we give you our heart we give you our soul we live for you alone every breath that we take every moment we're away lord have your way So I wait for you. So I wait for you.
0: Lord, we welcome you. We know that you're here in this place. Thank you for being our Father that you have drawn us as your children, adopted into your family, O God, that we are heirs to the kingdom so undeserved. Thank you for sending your son to forgive, but then to offer to live in us so that we can follow in Christ's footsteps. It's just extraordinary and that's your mystery. Now I pray that you speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated.
2: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Everyone say, Jesus. Jesus. Hey, welcome to Sierra Bible Church. Um, man, thank you guys so much for being here. My name is Jesse, if I haven't met you yet. Uh, and for the most part, uh, I get the great privilege of teaching God's word here and uh, truly enjoy doing it, and it's been a blessing. Uh, to be a part of this church for 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 i don't know what is it now 15 16 years um and thank you so much for putting up with just the zoo that is outdoor service uh thank you for dealing you know the the parking we know is crazy the seating is crazy We're, we're constantly pulling out seats uh which which you if you live in tahoe you should have a good camping chair yeah like there's no excuses so you should bring that and your bible okay um, but uh, the logistics and everything here is kind of bananas. People get spread out, get creative. Uh, a bunch of people way, way in the back. I can't even see them and then on the deck. And, uh, and so just thank you for being here more than anything. It's great. In fact, uh, if you are new and if you're not new, actually, we launched uh, our application uh, for Sierra Bible Church Truckee on iTunes as well as all the other digital devices, Android and what have you. Uh, the worship lyrics are in there the announcements are all in there if you're at home and you want to watch live that you can download it and watch live there all of the podcasts are in there the newsletters in there uh, the opportunity to give is on there all of that is on the app so make sure you're finding ways to get connected because we're not handing out programs right now and there is still a ton of things happening at our church uh, and i mentioned a few weeks ago nothing's broke through yet but there are pieces of land around us that are for sale and I've thrown out there, hey, we'd love to be able to purchase that. I've had a few people ask, hey, you have land, you got a little bit more open space, why would you wanna purchase more land? And here's, here's the kicker, we're at a place right now, we're, in, we're completely, well, we're actually 1% over our actual coverage that the town will allow. So the reason where you're sitting is not paved parking and it's, it's gravel is because that was our creative way to get part more parking. Oh, now it's seating um, and it had to be permeable. So we can't build out anymore. We're, there's nowhere else for us to go on this particular piece of property. And so uh, if you got a, a few uh, million dollars, let me know. And uh, don't laugh, <laughs> I'm like dead serious. Um, and uh, we're just praying for God to open up the doors for that and uh, that we can continue to grow the ministry here. But we also know, hey, may not be a great time to buy God may not want us to have more land. There may be something else that we're not thinking about. We're open to that too. So I'm just putting that out there. Uh, and, uh, and whatever God does is what God does. And we, we're trusting him. We're, we're not uh, pining for it and longing for it. We're not going to force it to happen. We're not going to go into debt because we want to be able to do ministry. And we want to have funds to do ministry. So that's where we're at. Tomorrow. Big day tomorrow. Guess what tomorrow is? Vacation Bible School here at Sierra Bible Church. Yeah, Brad has worked super hard. So everyone give Brad an all big hand for just preparing, man. He's killed it. Uh, he's going to be exhausted after this is all said and done. So uh, if you want to help out, you can still sign up. You can do that online. If you want to sign up your kid, again, you can do that online or you can find uh, Brad. And then July 17th. Uh, We're doing the hoedown, so we're doing some square dancing. We've got a caller coming, $10 per person. Anybody can come, and so we want to invite you to come. We're going to feed you, and we're going to dance. We're going to have a great time. Uh, And then after the service, two things after the service. The first one um, is SO, which is a ministry in Mexico that we serve with orphans and widows. We're we're trying to plan a construction trip in August. They're meeting after the service in Ray Hall, so if you're interested in going uh, down to Mexico in August, Make sure you go down there, and then on the same, uh, in the same vein, we've got a gal who's been coming to our church, and she's connected uh, with a church called Casa Vida in Costa Rica, and they're trying to build a playground for their church. And so she's doing a uh, cast is doing a bake sale down there. Make sure you grab some food and donate towards that, so we can give the kids uh, a, uh, a cool playground down there. And then you can also give online uh, as well for that. And then after the service, Andy Finch, who's our head deacon guy. We're reinstalling our handy, uh, I always want to say handicap ramp, handy, handicap ramp. For some reason, I have a hard time saying the word. I'm saying it correctly now, but my mind makes me feel like I'm not. Either way, we're trying to put a ramp in over there. We're pouring some concrete. If you got some tools and you want to help out afterwards, uh, head right over here and we'll do that. Okay? You guys ready to get in the word? Right, everyone, hold up your phone or your Bible or whatever you got in your hand. The word the word okay all right we're not there yet all right all right okay colossians chapter one go to colossians chapter one title of the message this morning is uh is posed in a question what have people heard about you you know the funny thing is first of all in scripture the bible tells us not to gossip because it can destroy a church so gossiping is something that we should avoid. At the same time, as Christians, we should have a reputation. And I I just want to ask the question and frame that for us this morning as we dive in, what kind of reputation the church should have. You remember, this church has been planted by a gentleman by the name of Epaphras who is a byproduct of Paul's ministry. So Paul went to Ephesians, preached the gospel, Epaphras got saved. He goes back to Colossians, which is being heavily influenced by the Roman culture. Epaphras plants this church, and then Epaphras goes back to Paul. Uh, and Paul's in prison at this time, and he says, hey, listen, this is what we're dealing with in our church. Can you help me out? And so Paul writes this letter to the Colossian church, and he says that he's heard a few things about them, and they're good things, and there should be good things that people hear about us as well. But nonetheless, we know sometimes Christians get a bad rap. Sometimes we may have a reputation in a smaller community like this of doing things that people don't like or they don't agree with, but it's my hope that we would be bolstered to leave behind a good reputation in our community. So if you have the ability to this morning, uh, would you stand with me as we read from verses three uh, down to verse eight? And again, we stand because we honor the word, we love God's word, and it's just a way for us to position our hearts before the Lord to hear from him. Verse three, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard in the, you have heard before in the word of truth the gospel which has come to you, as indeed it has in the whole world It is bearing much fruit and it's increasing. It also does so among you, since the day you heard it and understood it, the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love and the spirit. This is your truth. This is your word. May we submit to it now, Lord. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. amen. All right. Get cozy. And I know it's warm, but I can promise you if we were in the sanctuary right now, you'd be, you would be sweating bullets. We have AC in there, but it just doesn't keep up with the amount of people that are in there. And so... This is probably the best-case scenario for all of us. Um, I have three points this morning. Let me give them to you up front about the reputation of hope, a centered movement, and thankfulness. A hope, a centered movement, and thankfulness. So Paphras has come back. He's speaking with Paul. And the first thing he says in his verse, if he is he says, I've heard you have a reputation of having faith, a faith in God. A, 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 a kind of unfeared, un kind of provoked, but a, a welcomingness of, of God, a willingness to just be abandoned into the Lord. He says, you have this faith in you that is real about Jesus. A real faith of conviction, a real faith of contrition, and a real, real faith of change. When we think of faith, faith is the act of being convinced in our mind that God is true, contrite in our hearts about the sin in which we've committed against god and a willingness to change to be more like jesus in fact that is actually the definition of what repentance is when we come to faith a conviction a contrition and a change i was reading a commentary this week in this passage in regards to faith he says faith some maybe would would draw the picture of faith of like a hunter and a hunter pulls out his gun and he aims it at that animal at a great distance and in faith His eyes and his finger pull that trigger that it will aim and hit its target. He says, that's one way to look at faith. Like a hunter who pulls out his gun and he's in faith. He's hoping that the gun will do its job, that the finger will do its job, its eyes will do its job, and the animal will be taken down. But really, this author says, real faith for a man is not like the hunter, but much more like a lion going after its prey. Listen to this. He says his eyes and nose and ears are picked up at his prey. His legs give him the speed to catch it. And all the power of his body is involved in the terrible death and the leap and the single blow to the neck with the front paw. The blow that actually kills and the animal goes down and the lion envelopes it in its arms, pulls it to himself and he makes it part of himself. This is the way the lion kills, this is the way a man believes, this is what faith is. It's not like a hunter but much more like a lion where all of its faculties are involved and we know specifically faith is all about the object in which our faith is in, which is, everyone say, Jesus. And we put our faith in Jesus and we absorb him into ourselves and we make him all of who we are, and we put all of our mind, all of our eyes, all of our sight, all of our intellect, all of our passion into Jesus. And Paul says, says, because of this reputation that your faith is strong, it then overflows into a love for one another. Now, Brad Beers did a tremendous job last week. And one of his points, which I just, I loved, it was just an amazing point. He said, if you remember, if you're a Christian— You can't pick your family, right? Look to your neighbor and be like, I didn't pick you. Go ahead. You can try it out. I didn't pick you. I wouldn't have picked you. Now, if your spouse is sitting next to you, you're going to want to change what you say, okay? If your husband or wife are next to you, maybe change that. I did pick you. I still pick you. Try that one. Right There are there are people in the church. I've seen this. I actually read an article from a great reformed guy this week. He said, he said you want to make sure your church doesn't end up in a bubble. And he says, you know how your church ends up in a bubble? Everyone thinks the same. Everyone acts the same. Everyone believes the same. Everyone has all the same ideologies. And the faith in the church is never challenged. My friends, real faith, real love is to rub shoulders with people who are different than us. I thank God for all of the weirdos. And if you're like, if you're like, I don't see any weirdos, <laughs> you're the weirdo, which is great. We want that, and we desire that. First John literally says, let us love one another from love is from God. And if we don't have a love for one another, that you don't know God. And so Paul's saying, even though that this church is struggling with, with absorbing some of Rome's ideologies— Paul is saying your faith is sure, your love for the church is sure, and we need to continue to have a willingness to wash each other's feet and to serve. Galatians 5.13, through love, serve one another. One author says this love doesn't simply mean that they all, as we might say, have good feelings about each other. They may or they may not. What matters is the behavior which marks out so much of the world. The behavior of the world, love, I'm sorry, lust, anger, lies, the kind of things that split up communities, instead in the church is replaced by kindness, gentleness, forgiveness, acceptance of one another as members of the same family. He goes on to say even where there are major differences of race, background, and culture, this is far, this, as far as Paul is concerned, is the true sign of God at work. And he's thrilled and he's grateful about it in the church, right? You've got to look to the neighbor in your church and say, say, you are my family. And that love that overflows because of the passion of Jesus Christ, well, that flows out. That's their reputation. They have a reputation of faith. They have a reputation of love. And now we get into kind of the first point. Why do they have that kind of reputation? What is the reputation? Where does it come from? As I stated earlier, it's their hope. Where is their hope? What does he say in Colossians? Verse 5, you are these things, Paul says, because your hope is laid up for you where? It's in heaven. Now, this is the contrast, the difference between the worldly-minded person and the heavenly-minded person. Right? Paul's making a contrast that in Rome, the culture of Rome and the people of Rome, just like the culture of America and the people of America, they put their, their hope in the material and the experience. How many of you are familiar with the phrase, carpe diem? Seize the day. Seize the day. Right? If right now you're in church right now and you are distracted by what you're doing after church, you're part of the seize the day mentality. If you can't wait to get out of here so you can go to the lake, you can't wait to get out of here so you can go mountain biking, you can't wait to get out of here and go have fun, then you haven't followed the same reputation that, that Jesus is speaking of through Paul here. Your passion and your zeal for, should be for, for Jesus. You shouldn't be known for seizing the day and for the moment and for the emotional experience, but rather for the hope that exists in heaven. Do you remember King Solomon? Okay, here's a guy as we know, wrote one of the most happiest books in all of the Bible. It's the book of Ecclesiastes. If you're not familiar with the Bible, I'm joking, it's not a very fun or friendly book. But essentially what has happened with Solomon is Solomon has, has received and built up one of the greatest kingdoms that have ever existed in all of the world, all of history. The Bible literally says that it's quite possible that even to this day, he had more money than anyone in all of history. Right? More money than Bezos. Now, I don't know about you, but when I, when I see how much money that guy has and I try to fathom what that would be like, you can't spend that money fast enough. He makes money faster than he can spend it. Right? Imagine having enough money to buy an island. No? You can't go there? I can't either. It's almost unfathomable. So he has all of this money, and Ecclesiastes, he says, okay, because I had all this money, I had all this power, I, I did everything that I wanted to in the moment. Whatever my flesh wanted, whatever I needed, if I needed it, I bought it. If I wanted it, I got it. He had more women than you could ever think or imagine, more material possessions than you could think or imagine. He had more gold than you could ever think or imagine. This guy was loaded to the tills, and at the end of all of it, he says about all of this experience, all of the mountain biking, all of being at the lake, all of doing all the sports, all the recreation, all the Netflix, all the social media binging, all of those things that we do, he says, you know what it is? It's a vapor, he says. And the original language that he used for va- vapor, it's literally smoke. It's like, it's like smoke coming out of a pipe. It goes into the air. It's there but for a moment. You cannot grab it. You cannot seize it. You cannot keep it. And then it disappears. It disappears. I mean, think of all your experience. The reason we have to relive experience after experience is because we forget the experience. Right, when I go back, I know that I've been to Knott's Berry Farm probably 10 times. But I have very few, very clear, very lucid moments that I clearly remember. If anyone's ever struggled with a a drug addiction, you probably are familiar with the term chasing the dragon. Is anybody familiar with that term? It's the idea that when you first first take your first hit, you get an enormous high, and it feels great, and it feels euphoric, and it feels amazing, and then you have to have it again, but it's never like the first time, and then you got to have it again, but it's never like the first time, and chasing the dragon is to, to chase that experience, I just wish I could have that first initial high, and I could have it all the time, and I could have it whenever I enjoy it, it's chasing the dragon. To chase culture and to not have your hope in the heavenly things is to chase the dragon. It's to chase what the devil wants you to chase. That's why I think it's appropriately called the dragon. It's to run after that which is vapor and smoke, Ecclesiastes says. But rather the Christians in Colossians, their hope is in the future. Their hope is in heaven. You know why you can cry here and now? Because you won't cry in the future. You know why you can do without here and now? Because you have everything you need in heaven. Do you know why you can give and love your neighbor now? Let loose now? Because you're going to have everything you need in heaven. Ephesians is one of my favorite books in the Bible, especially chapter 1 and chapter 2. It's just an incredible book. And Paul, Paul lays into them in the first passage. He tells them in Ephesians, this is your salvation. God predestined it before the, the, the beginning of time, he says in Ephesians verses 1 through 2. And then he goes on, he says, God is still saving you. You know, there's this sanctification growth process that we go through. It's like working out. You still got to work out your salvation. Then he says, you will be saved and you'll be sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit will be the thing that guarantees you to salvation. He's your ticket to heaven. He tells them these truths because they're struggling, church. They're going through some things. And I love what he says to them in chapter 1 verse 18. Same thing. Paul in Colossians is praying here. Ephesians 1, he prays, and this is what he prays. He prays that the eyes of their hearts would be open to the hope and to the inheritance and the riches they have in Christ. Now imagine the difference here. I could stand up before you this morning and say, You need to do more. You you need to give more. You need to strive more. You need to work towards perfection. You've got to love your neighbor well. Husbands, you better do a better job loving your wives, and wives, you better do a better job loving your husbands. You gotta, if you want to just have the hope and you want to live without condemnation, you have got to start working hard in your faith. If I gave that advice to you, it wouldn't be biblical advice. In fact, in Ephesians 5, where it talks about the roles of husbands and wives, as husbands love your wife, as Christ loved the church. How you doing with that, husbands? Wives, submit to your husbands ladies how you doing right like are you doing that well are you doing that perfectly and then paul in ephesians 5 says this is a weird mystery but i'm actually speaking of christ concerning the church he's saying really jesus has done all of these things and what if you want to be respected husbands you have to get that from jesus so you can get it imperfectly from your wife wives if you want to be loved you have to get it 100 from jesus so that your husbands the love that your husbands give which is imperfect You can accept that it's all about receiving everything from jesus and paul says he doesn't say do more guys work harder guys study more guys he says no i'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be illuminated to the inheritance you have in jesus do you know the inheritance you have do you know that that you should have your hope in that i remember when my dad passed away He left behind three storage units filled with junk. Just filled with junk. Have you ever heard the saying, one man's treasure is another man's trash? I'm sorry, one man's trash is another man's treasure? Have you heard that before? Have you heard that? Okay, thank you. We're interacting. It's good, it's good. Way back there. Do you guys see me? Do you hear me? Okay. Yeah. No, that's not not the truth. The truth is one man's trash will be another man's trash. There's no such thing as putting hope in this world because this world is fading every single day. It's decaying and it's falling apart. But Jesus, he tells us as well as other verses, hold fast to this hope. Jesus is our hope. His inheritance is our hope. And Jesus and his promises is a chain that anchors us in the storms of life. Without your hope in Jesus, this life isn't going to ever fulfill you. John MacArthur says it like this. The Christian has a different perspective. He's willing to forsake the present glory, comfort, and satisfaction of this present world for the future glory that is in Christ. Are you marked by sacrificial love that's willing to give up present comfort for future glorification? I mean, the amount of sacrifice that is needed to be the people that God desires us to be. I mean, this morning, after the service, several guys are going to sacrifice time in the heat to help build that ramp that those who need access to the church through a wheelchair or otherwise have access to that ramp. I'm so thankful for volunteers like that, aren't you? You know, every single Sunday, a group of men show up and put the shade up here as much as, as much as we possibly can. Purchased a few more tents earlier this week. You probably didn't even notice. <laughs> we literally probably need like 10 more tents. And these guys set it up every morning. And, and we're going to go back inside in September. That's the date that we've chosen. And the reason we're going back inside in September is because we don't want to burn out the same volunteers who show up every week to make this happen so that you can sit in the church. Right, Being a Christian, being part of the Christian church is not to sit on the fringes or the sidelines, but to be involved in the family and involved in the community. I mean, some of you don't know know Brody Dwyer who who does like all the meals here at the church now. Volunteers his time over a hot stove and cooks and and slaves away. How many of you were just super blessed by the food last week? Oh, man. (laughs) Sacrificial Love, given up. And you know what I actually thought? This is shame, shame on me. Lord, forgive me. I thought, you know what? This place is going to empty out because everyone's going to want to go to the lake. And I was so blessed to see how many of you stayed back and you're like, oh, I'm eating with my family. Sacrificial service kind of love. Paul says, man, they have this because the church is marked by a hope. And that hope is hope in the eternal and not in the material. It's a heavenly-minded hope. So the reason they do it is the hope. But then look look at the second point. So their reputation is one of hope. They have faith and love because of hope. That's their their reputation. But the center of that hope, and the center of the hope moves. There's a center to it, and the center, he says, is also in verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you, second part of this, you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, the gospel. The message of salvation he goes on and says something very amazing about this gospel it's movement it came to you but before it came to you it went to epaphras if you remember the story right it went from paul to epaphras to ephesians to ephesus then to Epaphras, to Colossians, and now it's back to them. He says it's growing. Paul says it's growing. It's bearing fruit. He's literally saying the gospel was planted in Colossae, and now it's growing, and it's increasing, and it it has come, and it's going to keep going. So he says the church is marked first and foremost by this love and faith they have because of their hope, but he gives us the anchor of that hope, and the anchor is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what literally and the Old Testament is defined as the good news. The good news is a word that was used when the Greeks would go out in battle and they would be victorious and they'd send news back to their homeland. We have won. We've been victorious. My friends, are you aware of the gospel truth that Jesus has given you victory over Satan, victory over sin, victory over yourself, and more importantly than anything else because we have a future hope, victory over over death you've won you have defeated the enemy and I don't mean by you I mean Jesus has defeated the enemy and through Jesus Christ we can defeat those things in our lives we can be victorious you know what's so amazing to me about this is, is is there's two kind of victories that we speak of, I think, within the gospel. The first one is that we know that victory comes in eternity. Our soul will be cleansed. We'll no longer have pain. We'll no longer have shame. But if you're a parent, do you know that Jesus' victory is bigger than your parenting? If you're a husband or a wife or you're trying to raise kids or you're a teacher or you're a doctor, man, I can't tell you how many doctors and nurses have told me how hard it is to be in the hospital in in the last season of the last year and not just because they've been overwhelmed with covid because some of the persecution and the social pressures the sending your kids back to public school and those social pressures i don't even need to mention them because you all know what they are like it exists you've got to be this you got to fit in the box man And if you don't fit in the box and if you're not woke enough and if you're not doing these certain things, if you're not acting a certain way, if you're not saying certain words, if you don't embrace certain cultures, you're unloving and you're hateful and you're a bigot, those are all things that are being shoved at us. Do you know that Jesus is victorious over those things? Do you know that you can go into your work and you can go into the hospital, you can go into the school, you can go into the secular world and you can be triumphant for Jesus and the persecution is going to mean very little to you because you're, again, your hope is in the future. It's not in the now. And so you can deal with that suffering and you can stand strong and you can be sure of, of one thing that I think is just amazing. Jesus is going to save the people that you don't think will be saved. Some, are you, some of you are those people. I was one of those people. When I was going through my ordination and I shared my background and I shared my history, several older men who'd been in the church for a long time looked at me and said, how are you not in prison or dead? And I was kind of baffled by the question, thinking to myself, you're a man of the gospel. And I had to look at him with kind of a dumbfounded look in my face and said, Jesus? Jesus? jesus not my strong works not my intelligence not my education not my effort but the grace and the victory of jesus alone yeah you should clap for that thank you was that murphy thank you murph <laughs> great summary of the gospel first corinthians 15:1. i would remind you brothers the gospel I preached to you which you received and in which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you unless you believed in vain for I deliver to you as of first importance first importance he says what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And we have a responsibility to that good news. Colossians understood it. They, they lived in it. It was the center, And it's to proclaim that gospel to anyone and any, everyone that will hear. It's to defend that gospel. It's to work hard to advance that gospel. It's to fellowship and give the gospel to one another. It's to be ready to give a defense for the gospel. We're not to be ashamed of that gospel. And we're to recognize that that gospel is faithful and it is powerful it has the ability to save here's a good summary of really what paul is saying to the colossian church that the gospel is received by faith results in love rests in hope reaches the world reproduces fruit is rooted in grace and is reported by people let me say it again the gospel is received by faith that then results in love, that rests in the future hope that we have, that reaches into the world, that reproduces fruit, is rooted in grace, and is then reported by people. Friends, it thrills me to see what God's done in our church in this last season. And you've heard me probably say this multiple times, you go, oh, here he goes again, talking about how much he loves his church. you know who else does that in the Bible? Paul. I love you, and I'm praying for you, and I'm here for you. I want to see you grow in your faith. I want to see you grow in your knowledge of God. But we need to know that Jesus is not content for us to be comfortable under our tent or in our building, that we have to have an attitude to go out, preach the good news, bring more people into the church that they would know who Jesus is, and grow in that faith. Why do you need more land? Why do you need a bigger building? Because I want more people to fall in love with Jesus. I want more people to receive the grace that God has given me. I want more people to experience the freedom that Jesus gives his people. I want to be able to expand our influence to, to help more people as they wrestle through life and they go through things because a real church doesn't just reach people, it also loves its people. Can I give you an amazing good news this morning? A few weeks ago, Nate Rupert fell down. You know the story. Heard his head is in the hospital. Nate and his family are here with us this morning. Yeah. A real church loves a family like that. Defends a family like that. That's what we want to develop here. Some of you go, well, I don't know everybody. You know how you get to know people? You start loving them and you start serving them. The best way the best way to get to know people and get plugged in start serving somewhere oh you're just trying to build you're just trying to build your own kingdom no i'm not i'm going to die one day i'm out of here one day this is not about me this is about the propagation of the good news in a world and a culture that is growing darker and darker every day and we and we alone have the faith and the goodness of Jesus Christ for this world we need to get serious about our faith yeah Grow deeper in our faith with Jesus. Do more for the gospel. Remember I mentioned I had three points if you're kind of following with me this morning. The church has a reputation in their faith and love. They have a hope, a centered movement that is the gospel. And the last one is thankfulness. It's actually in the beginning of the verse. So if you go back, and we'll close with this. He says, we always thank God. I mean, it's just so beautiful. Because Paul is saying, you know what? As much as you're doing, as much as you're awesome, and as great as you're doing, I'm not going to thank you. I'm going to thank God. You know why our church has sustained over the last year and has thrived? Because of God. Amen. Because of the grace of God. I've had people come up to me, and I'm thankful for it. Thank you for your leadership in this service. Gal came to me this morning. I just want to thank you so much for... For what you've done just thank you for the stance that you've taken i just want to express my gratitude and you know what thank you so much for being thankful for me but don't thank me thank the grace of jesus thank god that he and we're going to get to it here in a moment we're gonna get here next week he tells us in colossians he holds all things together you know why the church is held together because he's holding it together it's not the leadership of the church it's jesus would you do me a favor as we close A pastor I know did this with his congregation, and I want to do this with us this morning as well because I think it's powerful. Would you stand with me one last time? Please. I can't take these words, even though many of them are biblical. They belong to another, but this church is marked with gratitude and prayer. And so those of you who've ever stood at the altar with your wife I want you to do a similar thing as you did with your wife I want you to pray and I want you to pray out loud the words that I speak so I'm going to say a few words I'm going to let you pray those words okay so I'll pray them and then you pray them and only pray them if you mean them I'm going to say them first so you can make sure that you know that you mean them but as we mark the church as a church filled with thankfulness I think it's appropriate that we say this prayer together to give thanks to the Lord so repeat after me Dear Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for making me. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for sending Jesus for me. Thank you that Jesus died for me. Thank you that Jesus rose for me. Thank you that, it's a long sentence I know, (laughs) I just thought that's a good break, it's awkward. Thank you that Jesus is preparing a place for me. Forgive me of my sins and adopt me into your family. Lord, I pray as a church that we would be filled with the gratitude that we should possess because of what you've done. All too often, Lord, we desire to mold each other into our own likeness. But God, you desire to mold us into your likeness. Forgive us where we've allowed the culture, whether it be of America or Rome or the spirit of Rome, to adopt ideologies. Materialism is the the way of the day. But rather, Lord, would you allow our church to leave a reputation in this culture and in this world a reputation that is faith-filled with a love for one another that is a hope in the eternal that is centered in the movement of the gospel and allows the gospel to continue to move that is ultimately thankful for what you've done. God, thank you for the church that you've given us in this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. We're going to sing about our God of Wonders, Lord of all creation, the universe, you. I think about how much He cares about us, and sometimes it's easy to doubt. And then I remember what the scripture says about how He cares for every sparrow, and how much more than He must care about me and you. God of Wonders.
1: Lord of all creation, of water, earth, and sky, Heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high, God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty. You are holy.
0: God of Wonders.
1: God of Wonders beyond our galaxy, you are holy, holy. Precious Lord, reveal your heart to me, Father, holy.
0: you God and we ask you to bless this day. We glorify you and shine through us today in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you guys and have a great rest of the day. I hope you stay cool. See you next Sunday.